Hi, my name is Jonathan McMeans, and I am one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin. Wanted to let you know that we are so glad that you found our content online, and we hope that you're blessed by it. But if you're a guest with us, one of the ways that you could let us know that you were here is by filling out the digital connect card that is at heightschurch.org connect or by scanning the QR code on the screen in front of you. I wanted to let you know also that you could join us in person every Sunday at 9 or 1030. And also that content is available live on YouTube and Facebook. We're really glad that you found us. Amen. And if you do have a Bible that you're going to turn on this morning or open up, I'm going to invite you to do that to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is where we're going to be. We've got just two more weeks left in our selfless series, and then we are going to take a break from 1 Corinthians, and we'll pick that up next year. Uh, and then uh, later in September, when we finish this, we're going to be going to 2 Thessalonians. So just to let you know a little bit what's ahead. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to go from verses 1 on down to about verse 13 this morning. And so if you don't mind, uh, let's stand again together as we read the Word of God. And uh, if you're new with us, we like to do this when we read large chunks of the Bible, just because we believe in the authoritative Word of the Lord, that this is not Paul's words, but this is words that Paul wrote under the authority and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so it makes it God's Word to us. Verse 1, Paul writes, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses, in the cloud, and in the sea. Verse 3, he says, And all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, verse 5, he writes, With most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Picking up in verse 6, he says, Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. Verse 9, he says, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. He says in verse 11, these things happened to them as an example, but were written down for our instruction on whom the end of ages has come. Therefore, he says in verse 12, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And this is the word of God that he has given to us, the people of God. And let's be thankful for that word this morning. You may be seated. You know, I, I, know, the, um, I know the Smith family really well. And, you know, the Smith family and my family, we've been, uh, we've been friends for a long period of time. I've, I've been over to the Smith's house several times. Uh, I've been to birthday parties with their kids. We've done family vacations together. I've, I've seen the Smith kids grow up, and, and some of them graduate. I have known the Smith family for a long time. 
I am good friends with them, but it would be wrong of me to assume that I'm a smith. So I'm not a smith. I'm a people's. And even though I've been outwardly associated with the Smith family for many, many years, I'm not in the family. I'm just associated with them. And see, I, I think a lot of people make that mistake when it comes to God. They say, well, I, I know God. I've been associated with God. I read my Bible. I pray. I go to church. I tithe. I serve. I'm associated with God's family, but I'm not in God's family. See, it's dangerous to presume that you are on your way to heaven one day when you die, but in reality, you're on your way to hell. It's dangerous to presume that you're in God's family and you're not in God's family. And Paul, in this section in 1 Corinthians, that's really what he's been laying out to us through chapters 8 and chapters 10, is this concept of being selfless. This concept of using our freedoms in Jesus Christ in such a way that we show that we are in the family. See, to get in the family of God is simply this. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life and you receive him as your Lord and Savior. But how do we then not make the mistake of assuming we're in the family, you know, just in the family when in reality we're just associated with the family? Well, Paul, I think, outlines something really key for us in chapter 10. He's saying, don't make the mistake that the Israelites made. Don't make the mistake that many people in Corinth were making. Don't many make the mistake that many people today are making when they think, well, I can be a Christian and I can just do whatever I want to do. See, you know, actually, the mark of being a Christian the mark to show that you have God in your life and you're in the family is simply this, that you love God more than you love yourself. Now, I want you to see that up on the screen this morning because that's what we want to walk away with is this truth. A selfless Christian loves God more than themselves. That's the mark of transformation. That's the mark of Christianity. That's the mark where you can say, all right, am I in God's family? Do I love him more than I love myself? Am I being selfless or am I being selfish? And so we're going to notice this morning as Paul outlined for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 how we can be that selfless Christian. First, we want to focus on God's good provisions. Focus on God's good provisions. Pick back up in verse 1 with me. He says, for I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses, and in the cloud and the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed him, and that rock was Christ. What you see in verses 1 through 5 is God's good provisions. Paul's taking you back. And he's taking you back to the point in time in Israel's history when they were in slavery in Egypt and God delivered them out of slavery. God delivered them out of the hands of Pharaoh. And he's showing you God's provisions there. Verses 1 through 2, he says, God provided you a spiritual leader. He said, you were all in this cloud. You're all together. You passed through the Red Sea together, and then you were baptized into Moses, essentially saying Moses was your leader. I showed you Moses was your leader. You followed Moses as your leader. I gave you a leader in a period of time where you had no leader. But then he also says, I provided for you another way. 
verses three through four. He's talking about spiritual food, spiritual water. He says this, I gave you me. I gave you my presence. Now, we also know in the wilderness period that God physically provided for them. You know, there were times they needed water. He said, all right, Moses, take your staff and, and do what with it? Hit that rock. What came out? Water. He says, you guys are going to need food. Well, I got that taken care of you. I'm going to give you manna every day, right? And then on the seventh day, you're going to rest. I'm not going to give that to you that day, but you'll have plenty. Don't worry, right? And so he says, I've given you physical things, water and food when you needed it, but then I gave you something better than water and food. I gave you myself, gave you my presence while you were there. And he says that presence was Christ. And we remember some of us, if you know the story, that, that God gave him a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So God said, listen, I provided for you all the time. I was always providing for you, and it was good provision. See, understand today, no matter where you are in life, God is providing for you. Right? He is always the God of our daily bread. He's the God as a believer in Jesus Christ that says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm always with you. I'm always providing for you. So to learn to love God more than we learn to love ourselves, is we have to look at God's good provisions. Say, God, thank you for providing for me, for constantly giving me exactly what I need when I need it. But notice also the second thing we need to do this morning is to learn from the examples of those that have gone before us. All right, so focus on God's good provisions, but then learn from those that have gone before you. Pick up in verse 6. He said, now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. And so he's going to say, all right, guys, I'm going to remind you of a few things that happened, and I'm going to do that for you to remember what took place. And so he's essentially saying this, don't repeat the mistakes of people in the past, all right? As a former history teacher, when I taught high school, and the, some of the kids are always like, because you know kids do this, when am I ever going to use this information in my life, right? When am I, why do I have to learn this? Am I ever going to use this? So I would always tell them, if you don't know your history, you are doomed to repeat the history, right? Like, history is important. We have to know where we came from, how we got where we are. And then there are times where we go, no, no, we don't want to do that again. Right? And that's what Paul's saying, is learn from this. Learn from this generation. Because they got some things right, and then they got a lot of things wrong. And so Paul's writing to them and saying, guys, I don't want you to do that. I, I want you to stay on course. I want you to love God. I want you to follow him. And so he says here, he's given us four actions not to do, all right? So these are some do not things here, okay? Verse 7, he says, do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. All right, that example, he's taking you back to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32 Moses, you know, the people are out of Egypt now. They've crossed over the Red Sea. They've been in the wilderness. God calls Moses to go up to Mount Sinai. You know, he's there getting the law from God. So he's downloading it from the cloud onto his tablet. There you go. Thank you. All right. Dad joke number one for the day. All right. You're with me. Okay. So he's on top of Mount Sinai. The Lord is giving him the law, right? He's writing all that stuff down. 
He's been gone for a minute. And the people there in the valley are like, well, we ain't going to ever see Moses again. He went up there and he hadn't come back down yet. Right? So they go to Aaron. Hey, Aaron, we need a God to worship now. So why don't you make us a, you know, a golden calf? Make us an idol. So they put all their gold in a pot. Some of you know the story. They make a, you know, they melt it down. They make an idol. Aaron holds it up and he says, what? Behold, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Worship him. And, and, and Paul's saying, don't do that. that. That did not end well for them. Right? Don't make that mistake. But, but maybe it's not a golden calf you worship today. But what is the idol that's in your life that's blocking you from truly worshiping God? What's the idol? Is it a job? Lack of a job? Physical pleasure? Money? Lack of money? Happiness? relationships what's the idol well paul's saying no 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 no. don't don't learn learn if you worship idols it does not win well for people who do that learn from that verse 8 he gives us another one he says we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did and twenty-three thousand fell in a single day this takes us back to numbers chapter 25 when the people of israel uh, starting having relationships with the daughters of Moab, the, the Moabites. And God said, no, no, don't do that. And they did. And he said, no, guys, you got to learn from that. Learn from this. Then he says in verse 9, he says, do not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. This takes us back to Numbers chapter 21 where they are complaining again about a lack of water. They're complaining again about the food they're getting. That if you read Israel's history through that wilderness period, you often see them doing what? Grumbling, complaining. God, we know you have given us manna. We are tired of manna. We have done everything we possibly can with manna. We have put it in the crock pot. We have put it on the smoker. We have smoked it with mesquite and a little bit of cherry wood, right? We have done manna bread. We have done manna pudding. We have done all things manna. We don't want more manna. Give us quail. What did God do? Gave them so much quail, it's coming out of their nostrils, right? God says, you want quail? All right, I'll give you quail, you know? Give you so much quail, you're going to want the manna back. Right? Say, don't be one that constantly complains and grumbles against the Lord. It does not end well. Right? Focus on his good provisions. Right? Learn from the examples of those that have gone before you. Because we want to be people that are selfless, not selfish. We want to be people that love God more than ourselves. And so he gives us the third thing in the, in the text here. And the third thing is this. It, it's simply to trust God and his power. Trust God and his power. Look at verse 12. He says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Now, there may be some of you that are, are, are listening right now and you've read this text with me and you're thinking that God is pretty mean. This is just a mean old God out there, right? I mean, there, there are people that he, he judged because they didn't obey him. 
There are people that he, he judged because, you know, they complained and they grumbled and they worshiped a little bit of idols. Well, what's the big deal of that? Right? And see, that's the thing. Is here in Corinth, as Paul is writing, don't make the mistake that you think you can follow God and do whatever you want to do. And so many people have that viewpoint still today. Well, I can be a Christian and just do whatever morally I want to do. I mean, it's all covered under the blood of Jesus, right? I, you know, hey, I, I just do whatever I want to do. Doesn't matter if I obey or God or not. I say I believe. I'm, I'm outwardly associated with them. So, so God, just let me do whatever I want to do. No, 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 no. If you're thinking that's what he's saying, you're reading it wrong. Because what you really are seeing is a loving father warning his kids, if you do this, the consequences are not good. Some of you have had children that you've had to do this with, or maybe grandchildren if they're over at your house. You've got a, a boiling pot of water on the stove, and that little one comes up and he's about to grab the handle, and you sternly warn them, don't do that. If you do that, the water may spill on you and burn you. Why are you doing that for your child or your grandchild? Is it because you're mad at them? Is it because you hate them? No. It's because what? You love them. You care for them. You don't want to see them get hurt. And that's what Paul's doing here. That's what verse 12 saying. Look inside yourself. If there's selfishness there, if you're loving yourself more than loving God, turn from that. And trust God in his power and his goodness and his forgiveness. Because he says in verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You see in verse 13 an incredible promise of God's power that you have in your life. All right? Now we need to do two things with verse 13. First, we need to do a little course correction and, and say what it does not mean. And then we're going to do some here's what it means talk. Okay. So first, course correction. Verse 13 does not mean that God will not give you more than you can handle. All right. So many people walk around with that. You get a cancer diagnosis, you lose a job, something happens, and you have a well-meaning brother or sister in Christ Jesus come up to you and say, don't worry about it. God won't give you more than you can handle. We'll give you more than I can handle, than we can handle. God is giving me more than I can handle. That's why God is giving me you in my life. That's why God has made you and I friends. That's why we're together in community. Because God lays on us more than we can handle. And we need each other in those moments. So thank you for being my friend. Because I'm going to need you because God gives me more than I can handle just as he does you. Usually they back up. And they're like, oh, didn't see that one coming. So gently and kindly this morning, if you've got that on a t-shirt, tear it up and use it to tie your tomato plants next year, okay? If you got it on a coffee mug, eh, just throw the coffee mug away, Because right? he does give us more than we can handle. That's why we need God. 
That's why we need each other. That's why as a church, we say we're a connecting church. That's one of our purposes. And we believe the Christian life is not to be lived alone, but together in community so we can come together and help each other out. But what we see Paul is saying is this, that no temptation or no trial, it's overtaken you because God is faithful to you. He's not going to let you be tested or tempted beyond your ability But with the temptation, he'll provide you the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So we remember this, the good news of the gospel, that God sent Christ Jesus into this world, that he was fully God, he was fully man. And because of him being fully man, he was tempted in all points as we are. But because he was fully God, he didn't sin, right? So, So the Bible says he was tempted like you and I are, never sin. I know we gloss over that verse, but let that sink in for a moment. Never sin. Jesus, Mary, his mom would say, was dinner good? Not your best, mom. Right? Not your best. Jesus, do you like me? Nope. Kind of can't stand you sometimes, Peter, right? I mean, not even one of those little harmless lies we think are okay, right? I mean, if the dude drove, he would have been 45 in a 45, right? I mean, like, been on the speed limit every time. Never sin. Why was that important? Because when he died on the cross, he took my sin and your sin upon himself. And if he would have been sinful, he could not have been a sinless sacrifice for us. And see, Jesus took that cross and upon himself. He took that sin upon himself. And when he died, they put him in the ground. And he put all those sins in the ground. And the great news of the cross and the power of the cross isn't just in the death of Jesus, but it comes three days later when Jesus rose again. See, without the resurrection, then the cross is useless. Without the resurrection, we just have a, a dead Savior who buried our sins with him. But no, no, Jesus came back. He came back alive. And he said, what I buried, don't dig back up. I buried that sin for you. Don't dig it back up. Don't don't go fishing for it. Because now when you are tempted, now when the devil knows your weaknesses, you've got power. You've got power. You've got resurrection power in your life. Because Acts 1-8 tells us that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we have power as believers in Jesus Christ. Paul saying in verse 13, you have power because of Christ Jesus. That means this, you can click off the site. You can turn off the TV. You don't have to say that word. None of that is overtaking you because of the power that is in you and because God is faithful to you. He's providing you the way of escape and that is through Christ. He's providing you the way to endure it and that is through your relationship with with Jesus, got that power. And so this morning, don't make the mistake of assuming you're in the family when you might not be in the family. Today, look in your heart and your mind and ask yourself this question. Yeah, I'm associated with God. I'm, I'm here on a Sunday morning. I mean, I read my Bible. I pray. I tithe. I give. I serve. I do all these things. But do you know him? Do you love him? Do you love God 
more than you love yourself because that's the mark of being a believer in Jesus. I want to invite you to pray with me right now where you are. I want to thank you for watching today's message and simply ask you this question. Have you made the most important decision you've ever had to make in your life? You know, I know you've probably made a lot of important decisions. You've decided who to marry. Maybe you've decided what town to live in, where to buy a house, where to go to college. Maybe a job to take or to leave. But have you made an eternal decision? Because the Bible says that's a decision you have to make. And it's a decision of whether or not you're going to follow Jesus Christ as the personal Lord and Savior of your life. You know, I made that decision at the age of 14. Just one night in my bedroom, I came to know Jesus Christ as the personal Lord and Savior of my life. I had grown up going to church all my life, but I had yet to place my faith and trust in Him until that night, right there in my bedroom, I trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And so I want to encourage you to do that today right where you are. You know, there's a verse in the book of Romans that I just absolutely love. It's Romans chapter 10 in verse 13, where it says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And just think about that. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That doesn't matter if you've ever been to church in your life or you've grown up in church or you've never been. It doesn't matter what you have done. Whoever calls on the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. So I want to encourage you just right now where you are, if you're ready to become a follower of Jesus Christ, would you bow in prayer with me and just pray, Dear God, today I'm ready to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I am calling on Jesus to save me. Thank you, God, for doing that. I'm friend, I want to thank you today for praying along with me. And I want to encourage you to take the next step, which is to let us know. Let us know that you've prayed to be a Christian today so we can follow up with you, counsel you, talk with you more about that, pray, see if you have any questions, and just help you take that next step of faith. You can go to our website, heightschurch.org slash connect. You can leave a comment here on our YouTube page as well, and we'll be in touch with you. So thank you for watching today's message, and I hope you have a great week.